Let's go. Hello, and welcome to Sustain Open Source Design. Is it Sustain Our Design? No, it's Sustain Open Source Design. Yes, yes. Sustain Open Source Design. SOS. <laughs> what are you calling it? <laughs> And welcome to Sustain Open Source Design, the podcast where we talk about sustaining open source and also design and the confluence of both. Today, we also talk about the confluence of crypto. That's right. It's going to be a Bitcoin heavy podcast, but stay listening anyway. Have some really interesting people to talk to today. We have three panelists on Richard Litauer. I don't know who that guy is. Georgia Bullen. Thank you, Georgia. Great to see you. And Memo Esparza. Very excited to have all three of us. And then we have two guests, Christoph Ono from Bitcoin Design Community and Connor Okus from Block slash Square, whatever you want to call it, working on Bitcoin and how to understand the future of cryptocurrencies. Um, really excited to get into things. This podcast, we decided to do things a bit differently because we didn't all know each other. We actually had a 30 second, two minute introduction. So without any further ado, Memo, who are you and what are you doing? I'm Memo Esparza, dialing from Mexico, a city called Guadalajara. And I lead design operations at opencollective.com. Opencollective is a platform to distribute and manage money collectively and transparently. So we do pretty much everything regarding the product and I'm starting to focus also more time on a lot of stuff, branding, like communication, that kind of stuff. And it's all inside the design team of Open Collective. It's, it's all open source as well as the code of the platform is open source. The finances are, you know, are open for everyone to see them. And we're doing like the same, we're pushing to, with the same energy on the design side. Right now, everything is in diapers because it's not really accessible for folks out there. But what we want to do is to create like this, not just a design system that's open source, because I think there are like a couple of solutions out there that already covers it. More of a open network of design learning. I think that's pretty much what we're trying to keep. One of these efforts is this podcast. So a part of the host as well as Richard and Georgia here. Richard. Hi, I'm Richard. I sort of run a lot of the sustained stuff. I run the sustained podcast. I run the sustainable source podcast. As far as interest, I am a designer. I have designed websites. I built websites from scratch. Used to be a full stack developer. Used to be just a design designer for a while. Started as a front end guy. Recently, I spent a lot more time thinking about what does sustainability means for open source. And how do we solve like the big questions? Or how do we like more intelligently ask the big questions of what open source is and how it works? I'm not convinced that open source program offices are a really good idea. Having like large industries, having open source offices, that seems extractive. But how can you say that? I'm not convinced paying the maintainers makes any sense because I'm not convinced open source should be paid. And if you give it away, you've given it away. And that's just how it goes. So like, there's a lot of stuff like that I want to talk about with people. I've recently started recasting in my head the idea that I'm just a journalist and all I'm here to do is have conversations. I'm Georgia Bullen. I am the executive director at Simply Secure. We've been around since 2014, working on usability and design issues, particularly in the privacy and security internet freedom space. And as a result, we work a lot, predominantly majority with open source projects. 
our design practice is generally to share our work openly. We're not only using open source tools. So we are in this nice middle ground of adoption base, if you will. <laughs> we tend to use whatever tool the teams that we're working with are using. So we tend to meet people where they are and then try and work towards the process being open and replicable and common frameworks that can be used and reused for folks in the space. I think I will go with that for now. I think that one project in particular may be relevant to this conversation that we have led on is this project called Decent Patterns or Decentralization Off the Shelf, which is the idea behind having a UX library for decentralized applications so that folks who are building decentralized applications or things that I think obviously there's a ton of overlap in the Bitcoin space for that. And just by the nature of Bitcoin, don't have to reinvent the wheel every time they're kind of addressing like common challenges in usability. So how can we make it so that our barrier to usable tools is lower? If that makes sense. So uh, I will, yeah, Connor for stuff. I don't know which one wants to go first, but go for it. So I'm Connor. I work a company called Block or formerly Square. More specifically, I'm part of an initiative called Spiral, previously Square Crypto. And we're focused pretty much on making like Bitcoin more than an, an investment. So one of the things we do is, and it's interesting, Richard mentioned this earlier about funding open source maintainers. One of the things we do is provide grants for open source Bitcoin contributors, Christoph being one of them. We provide grants to developers, designers, and some PMs to work solely on open source Bitcoin projects. So projects that are focused on improving the privacy, security, usability, user experience, and scalability of Bitcoin. It was an initiative started by Jack Dorsey in 2019 because Square, a very big company now, have leveraged a lot of open source software to get to where they've got to. And big, it's no like secret that Jack's a big advocate of Bitcoin and he felt the best way to give back to the community was to fund people to help move the ecosystem forward. And so he gathered together a small team of engineers, product managers and creatives to help push that forward. So my team are also working on something called the Lightning Development Kit, which is a tool to help developers integrate instant Bitcoin payments into any Bitcoin wallet. So that's also an, an open source project as well. So all of the work we do is open source. And in the context of design, we also helped create a Bitcoin design community, which is focused around trying to make Bitcoin more accessible, improving the user experience, of wallets and other types of Bitcoin applications, as well as be a space for some of the more like creative aspects within the space as well. So there's a Slack channel with over 2000 designers ready to kind of improve and give Bitcoin the love and, the love and attention it kind of deserves. Well, I'm Christoph. I've been designing and front-end, doing front-end things for 17 years now. And about four years, I fell into the, the crypto rabbit hole, which started by just randomly designing a wallet from Monero one night, you know, 2 a.m. I posted it on Reddit. It's like, hey, what do you think? And they were like, this is awesome. We want to implement it. And then I started working in open source from that day. <laughs> and uh, I've been at it ever since. And luckily, since about a year and a half ago, through the founding of the Bitcoin design community, I can actually do it full time. And before that, I was just doing it on the side in my little silo. And you know, I created my own crypto UX handbook because I was like, everything looks so crappy. It needs to be so much better. I'm learning so much. Everybody's solving the same problems. I can just gather my knowledge, 
there and maybe something will happen. And now I'm doing that in the context of a much larger thing, like the design community, also kind of a working on a design guide and helping organize calls and support projects. And sometimes uh, just all kinds of different things, write a newsletter, just doing everything I can to push this whole effort forward and trying to help designers design things 10 times better and easier. That's a, been a super interesting journey. And there are lots of already interesting conversations that feel like that could happen in between us for what everybody said. It does sound that way. Christoph, I really like the idea that we do have more conversations to go through. I agree with you. And I'm excited about both of you doing the work that you're doing. I saw Jack start that whole thing and figure out like, how can we get more knowledge in what crypto is? And so Connor, I'm just really curious about that. And then Christoph with design community, that's a whole other segment that we haven't talked about enough. I do have one immediate question. How do you two know each other? Yeah, so through the Bitcoin design community. So I now manage our grant program, which funds about 30 developers and designers across 17, 18 different countries. And I was initially a recipient of the program, a recipient of a grant. And my grant was to initially help with helping to build out the Bitcoin design community, helping to do some writing for something which we can talk about maybe a bit later called the Bitcoin Design Guide, primarily focused on onboarding. Yeah, you can find that bitcoin.design, but we can talk in detail a bit about that. Also, I have a development background, mainly like front-end applications, web apps and mobile apps. So I also contributed to some developer libraries as well. And so we know each other through that community, basically. Got on really well and become good friends and stuff, so... One of my questions I have is like grants are, are really interesting. We all know about Kevin Owaki and Gitcoin giving out oodles of money towards developers. Let's not spend any more time on that because he's been on the podcast so often. Look at the Sustained podcast for some episodes with him. Ethereum has also done grants and a lot of crypto communities. Uh, Filecoin, Protocol Labs also does grants. What's special about the Bitcoin design grants? And have you seen a lot of design grants in the crypto space? Yes. I mean, initially our team wanted to hire a single designer to kind of focus on some of the like user experience challenges within Bitcoin. But we came to the realization that it lacked scalability and it wasn't entirely in line with like some of the ethos around Bitcoin being open to everyone, permissionless, decentralized as well. And so we basically decided, okay, what's the best way to go about this? And we felt like planting the seeds for a design community to emerge from and kind of solve challenges that we have in the space holistically would be a better approach. So like our team worked to basically try and identify like a set of designers who have um, specific interests within Bitcoin and UX challenges that they want to solve and fund them to work on those initiatives over our grants over a year long period to start with initially. And then with the hope over time that like a community kind of builds out from it and integrates with the wider Bitcoin ecosystem. So the initial project that kind of kicked off the design community was the design guide, but now we're seeing designers integrate with other open source wallet projects and other open source Bitcoin projects and things of that nature. 
And it's very much an, an ongoing process. But the goal is to essentially try and take a lot of these UX challenges that we see across many of the Bitcoin projects and try and document them and give designers a way and, and an onboarding experience that enables them to not have to essentially rehash and solve a lot of the problems that exist across multiple projects. So I don't know if Crystal has probably got a lot more to add there as well. Oh, I have so many topics, not just on, on grants, but on the, the general topic of funding, because, you know, Richard, you said earlier the point that, yeah, this should be just for fun. People should do it for free, which, yes, I would love for it to work that way. But with a family and bills to pay, it's just not possible. And I think just in, in terms of the, the reality of the situation is that, for example, Bitcoin core developers, they need to be world class developers that require like years of focus just to like improve one thing about the payment network, which guarantees like hundreds of millions of value and the security for so many things that so many people rely on. And I'd like to think design is maybe also that important. So you want people to come into this space and be able to say, I guess I can dedicate my time. I can take that time and focus and I can do really world-class work that is better than anything else out there. So I do think it's super important. The grant is me personally allowed to completely focus on this. And I'm super thankful for it. And I hope to also pay that forward in a way to make that also possible for others. And so for the next year, it's one of my plans for the next year to spend some energy into helping other people by bringing up those conversations more, by making it more clear what options there are in open source for designers to be active and get compensated, which you can start with small tips. You can do a bounty and solve one specific problem for a project. You can get a grant. You can work for a company and do part-time open source. Because I don't think from my conversations, those things are just not obvious for designers and but what those possibilities even are. Nobody thinks about after college, like, yeah, I understand in open source, I can be a designer and do this. Like everybody thinks I'm going to go to this agency or I'm going to work for this company or so. But I'd like to start more conversations and maybe also find more ways to facilitate that. So I, because I think in general, I feel like we're all kind of bad at matchmaking, presenting ourselves like this is what we do. This is what I can bring to the table. This is a difference design can make in a way that people who have maybe no idea about design, they can just look at and say, okay, I understand that. I want to support this. That's my one of my ambitions. But like I said, I have many thoughts on that topic. And I'm always curious to learn because it seems like you also have tons of experience there. I'd be curious, can you tell us a little bit more about the Bitcoin design community? How many contributors are there? How much have you given away in grants? Like what sort of projects? So just give us where you to submit to the space for folks who aren't familiar. Yeah, we funded about seven, seven or eight maybe nine designers at this point, all focused on a wide range of things. Some wanted to solely focus on the Bitcoin design guide, which is like a resource to help onboard designers into different UX practices, whether it be like, how do you ensure you create a flow that is secure enough and privacy preserving enough for someone who wants to store their private keys, for example, or how do you onboard users in the quickest, most efficient way? things of that nature. And what does open source design mean in Bitcoin? Like all of these questions. We also funded research initiatives as well to understand how Bitcoin fits in certain 
geographical locations or with certain demographics and things of that nature. So we do kind of fund the kind of breadth of what it means to work on design initiatives. And yeah, the community communication tool is Slack at the moment. I think last time I checked, like, yeah, there was over 2000 members in the Slack and there's all types of projects going on. We do things like we have regular calls. So we do like design reviews that you might be accustomed to like a traditional company or, or organization. All of that stuff is available to be watched back on YouTube and BitcoinTV.com. We do community calls, sort of like more casual jam sessions to discuss content of the guide as well. And yeah, it's like a really diverse set of communities. We've got designers from all over the world contributing. So it's still a bit of a hidden gem in my my opinion. And we'd love to like advocate for it a bit more and and get the word out really. So Yeah, in in terms of calls, we had, I was doing a little bit of an end of the year review. And so we've had almost 110 calls over the last year. And I think I was part of almost all of them. <laughs> organized a good bunch of them. But it's it's just such a mix. It's there like these open space community calls where I, I organize them and I always ask, hey, everybody, what do you want to talk about next week? And then or sometimes just pick up topics that are kind of in the air. Then the other ones that are incredibly focused where you just have like two or three people that are working for half a year on the same project. And it's just pretty technical. And maybe sometimes somebody pops in just to listen a little bit just very different nature. I'm sure it's always sometimes a little bit overwhelming for people coming in and seeing all these calls happening. But we try to also be super transparent about them. Like Connor said, put them up on, on YouTube and people can watch them later and subscribe, like post small summaries and, and try to make it as involved as possible. Still mostly European and US participants. There's a group forming that tries to push for like Spanish localization and like Spanish Slack channels. There are a bunch of designers from Nigeria. Nigeria has a good group of designers popping up. I do hope that we also get just more and more broad perspectives and diversity over time as we go on. So the answer, and yeah, we have a newsletter, I think 300 subscribers. We have a Twitter, I don't know, 2000 followers or so, just a few numbers, if that's helpful. No, that's super helpful. My next question to build on that is to understand what are the challenges you run into? Thinking back on, you were describing like bounties versus challenges and things like that. I feel like one of the barriers that we talk about with folks sometimes is how do you scope a problem for contributors to work on? And so I'm curious to hear a bit more about how you do that or how ideas and conversations become things that people could apply to do or that they can just like pick up and get resource to do. So a year and a half ago when this whole community started, we kind of laid out a document that was how ideas grow and just talking a little bit about how it's totally okay, just post an idea. If you have an idea, just start a conversation, see if others respond to it and just keep putting things out there and letting them grow. So that's kind of the ideal way that it happens. Some people prefer not to do that. I know designers a lot of times are very precious and just only want to put perfect things out there, but I always try to encourage and just share early even if it's rough, because somebody else might help you push that in the right direction or turn it into something that you couldn't think of. And it's the collaboration that makes it work. And then over the last year, as things have kind of grown, different projects have shown up, sometimes during design review, and then afterwards it turned into some type of collaboration. I've personally helped four or so different projects this year. There was one project called Spectre, which is a multi-sig wallet. It was a little bit kind of a design bug fixing project. They said, Hey, we have certain problems with the user experience. People have a hard time setting up this or that. Um, then another project came in, Albi, which was born out of a hackathon. 
And at some point they said, we don't have a brand. We don't have a logo. We need something. So I helped them with that branding process. And then another project that I'm helping right now with called Join Market. I'm more of kind of helping them with the design process. So initially I wrote a document that says, okay, let's try to think about 10 calls. In the first one, we do a brief overview of the project. The second one, we do a little bit of a deep dive. Then we try to develop concepts. We pick a direction, we evolve it. Uh, so through that, I feel like, and that's also something we put together in a separate document, is that we put together six categories on selling. If you're a project, these are some of the things that you might need. You might want a designer to join your team. You might not have a design process because you just started as a small, wild group and now it's growing bigger and you need to formalize things. You might just need a bit of branding or web design support. You might need a design system. So we're trying to kind of learn by doing and experiencing. And so that's kind of evolving over time. And I'm sure other people who help other projects also have kind of slightly different experience, but that's how it's been for me. And, and I would also like to put it something together from the other side, from the designer side, but it allows them when they join a community and say, I'm a designer, I have something to contribute that it helps them to more easily articulate what they want to offer so that when a project shows up that they can say, I could get this person. I think that would be a good fit. So yeah, it's like a matchmaking dance, still learning, evolving, trying things, trying to put a little bit of structure to things, but not too much. I just love how you guys steer the Bitcoin design community towards onboarding, because I think that's, if not the main issue with open source, the answer to the question, hey, I'm interested, how can I start contributing? And it's always a tricky conversation because if they're like, so many different skill sets and so many ways that you can contribute to design, even though if you're not an actual designer, if you don't like push the pixels yourself. But you know, there are like so many ways to contribute. And I kind of want to know how did you end up focusing on that onboarding side? Because I'm really interested on how did you find out what the problem was? Yeah, there was a, was a new community member just recently who came in and she said, hey, we need to rethink our onboarding. Let's have like monthly welcome calls for everybody. And then we can just have casual chats about it. And we did have one. And one comment came up that I'm just too familiar with that one woman, she came in, she said, well, you know, I show up, but everybody just talks about all this technical stuff. And I feel like, yes, I, I hear you. It's a very deep topic, Bitcoin. And as soon as you're slightly experienced, it's like you're talking in some, you're speaking in some foreign language that nobody else can understand. So it's a really tough one. And I'm not super experienced with it, but from what I've heard from others who have been around longer is that it's the one-on-ones that make it work. The individual contact, the individual intros, the individual matchmaking, and that just requires a lot of personal effort. So maybe not something that can be solved. And also, I'm personally looking into some other ideas, maybe for next year, where, you know, with the Bitcoin design guide, we could have like an open reading group. We pick a topic a week. We just discuss one certain topic, keep it really casual and, and open and share it where we don't go maybe too much into the technical side. So I think there's also something about presenting information and content in different formats that may be easy to follow along at different levels of, of expertise, making things accessible to different groups in different ways. But yeah, that's the, I think that <laughs> will always be a tough one because people come in with energy. They're like, yes, here, I'm here to make something happen. And they're like, I don't know what, <laughs> what to do. And then the energy fizzles. 
Yeah, I was, I was just about to literally say that point because we've had moments throughout this year where there's been huge amounts of energy and enthusiasm for contributing to Bitcoin design because we've done talks at FOSTEM, we've done talks at Figma Convict, for example, to bring awareness to the Bitcoin design community. And that day and the days after, you see a whole host of introductions, people who are ready to rock and roll and it can fizzle off quite quickly and it's it's a little bit disheartening. So we've had like a few of those moments throughout the year where it's been like, oh, like we've not done enough to harness that energy and push it in a direction that can provide value to this ecosystem. And so, yeah, we're always super conscious of like how we can get good people and keep good people, you know. But it's also okay for people not just to show up and participate. I mean, nobody yeah, just wants really to come true. up and say like, okay, here, get in line and do this. So hang out, to show up, follow along for a little bit. And when you find something, you know, snoop around. And maybe so true, though, because more. we've had like people who, who have done exactly that and have been around for a while and have made significant contributions, maybe like six or eight months down the line. Maybe timing wasn't particularly right at the time or Maybe there just wasn't any projects that they found super interesting, but something's popped up now and that aligns with their skill set and their interests and they want to jump in and do that. And as long as we're still accommodative of that, then I don't see that as a big issue anymore. Yeah, they should have to find something where they have a good time. I think it's important. I was going to ask, kind of building on that question, do you have a sense of where people are coming from? It sounds like at least some folks aren't necessarily from the Bitcoin community at all. So they're new entirely, but... Yeah, I'm curious if you have a sense of like, where are people coming with design background? Are they coming with Bitcoin background? Like, what's that split? <laughs> you know, because onboarding, right? And to that point, onboarding to Bitcoin and onboarding to design in Bitcoin and onboarding to like this specific effort are almost three different initiatives to sort of focus on. So yeah, just curious to hear a bit more about your sense of where folks are coming from when they enter the community and how you think that has impact or has an effect on what they're able to do. I'm not entirely sure where they come from, but this is something we consider in the Bitcoin design guide. There's a whole section about the design process, which lays down certain foundations for if somebody's just passionate about Bitcoin, maybe it's technical experience, but not so familiar with, with design. They can learn about the basic user research, usage lifecycle, certain design frameworks. And there are also tools like Bitcoin icons and UI kit they can use as a foundation for their design process. And then there's also, there are also several pages that talk about why as a designer, how to find your way around like this one page called the visual language of Bitcoin and how it evolved basically from the, some random forum posts and memes and different things. And how that actually is just an amazing brand because it just really reflects the community. And like there's this little core symbol that everybody recognizes and that spawned like a thousand different things. And then as a creative, you still have all this freedom to do whatever you want and it's all valid, right? So we're trying to also introduce designers to this space and lay, you know, provide some, some grounding there a little bit. I do think it's a mixed bag. I do think we get some people who are just, yeah, straight up Bitcoin enthusiasts and just happen to be creatives and designers who this community is like perfect for. And then there's people who are just starting to understand Bitcoin and understand its like implications for society and want to use their skills to contribute to making those positive things happen. It is interesting though, those that come in perhaps without a, a strong background in using Bitcoin or what Bitcoin is, because 
it is quite a steep learning curve. And I would definitely consider an environment where like designers are required to work more closely to a protocol than probably any other environment. And so there's a lot of design considerations around like privacy and security. And these are not always like the most, I don't know how to put it, most glamorous sometimes things to work on. And I do think we do need to do some work around like setting expectations around the fact that you may have to move a bit slower at times and you may have to like think through things with a bit more rigidity than maybe you would if you were exploring or building some other type of application. Because, yeah, we don't want to build or design things that make people lose their money. So like we have to take a bit more time than perhaps we would in other projects. And just setting that as an expectation is, is quite important because for some, it's not for all, and it, and it could be frustrating for some to maybe not be able to experiment as they wish. So just that as a as an expectation is important for maybe those who are not as, as accustomed to Bitcoin. But we try to find ways that are like fun and we want to reach that kind of borderline where like someone doesn't have to dive right into the technical weeds to really understand the trade-offs between X and Y, but give them a good enough base from which they can like explore and make things happen. You know, something that you mentioned, there is a potential downside. I was actually find super exciting that it's so disciplined in a way that there are these really strong principles in decentralization and privacy. Because I've worked for 17 years for agencies and corporates and whatnot, and I have never worked with such principled designers and developers where I'm like, hey, can we do this? And it's like, nope, privacy, nope, security, but we can do this other thing. And there's no tracking anywhere. You try to avoid any of this stuff. And in a Typical corporation, you would see, oh, this is a, we don't know what users are doing. How many people are clicking this button? But it actually puts you closer to the users. You have to actually talk to people and be in touch with them. So I actually really appreciate that aspect of how principled everything has to be. It makes you think much harder. And I think it makes you come up with better solutions in the end. And I don't think that can happen in a corporate environment in the same way. I really like that. I was thinking about the principles as well. If you're queuing close to a protocol, you do have to be good to do that, right? That takes effort. That takes talent. So it's really cool that you're able to attract developers and designers who have that talent or who are you willing to grow? One of my questions we asked, where do your designers come from? I'm curious about what their principles are. A lot of developers got into Bitcoin, got into crypto to get rich fast. And a lot of those leave very quickly because it's hard and it takes time and it takes effort. What I'm curious about is for designers, how are you making sure that they stay? How are you weeding out the people who are here to be like, I wanna turn things blue and then make a million dollars. What are you doing to ensure that they are praised for their work, that they stick around and are able to see the merit of what they're doing and that they're able to feel held by the community? It's so funny because I don't think yeah. Bitcoin you can make something blue and, and get rich. Yeah, here yeah. I mean that might work <laughs> with some with like some scam coin thing during some mania or so. But yep. Bitcoin is all about the low time preference. Like Bitcoin as a protocol yeah. does not give millions to whatever VCs or so. It's extremely hard money. Yeah, you can invest and put your savings in there, but you have to be disciplined and, and think long-term there too. 
And as we've seen with different hype cycles and whatnot, like the things that were created four years ago during that 2017 hype, like nobody remembers anything from there. It's all gone. Yep. Right? Lots of websites came up and they all had kind of this isometric blocks and little cities and whatnot and all were blue and purple I think. and like all that stuff's gone it's wiped away but with bitcoin just because of what it is and, and uh, the behavior and mentality and the thinking and principles it's a lot more long-term focused so i'm not aware of any problems that we've had so far connor with no, i don't think so and i think the community's pretty much got like a no tolerance attitude to shilling of certain projects or any type of like investment advice like it's not a community where you're going to come and make money or discuss investments or anything of that nature so we do have a pretty strong kind of like no tolerance for that kind of stuff anyway but to be fair like we haven't had much of that and when we have had you know other projects want to promote opportunities and stuff like that we very politely just remind them that this is a bitcoin only community and we're kind of focused on just trying to solve the problems within this community. But on the other hand, it's a good question. How do you keep people happy? I mean, on the one hand, it's, I don't know, am I supposed to keep people happy? It's an open community where people can choose whatever they want to. I'm not anybody's boss. Connor's not anybody's boss. One of the ideas of this is that any self-motivated person or designer can come in and say, I have a really good idea. What does everybody think? Do you want to support me doing this? Do you want to do this together? And then they do it because they're excited about it. And ideally, with community support, there's also some financial support so they can actually take time and focus to make all of that happen. But yeah, as a, you know, organizing calls and, and all this stuff, I personally care about the people too and try to always talk to people, make sure everybody's okay, everybody has what they need and just try to, to look after people. But yeah, that's a really tricky question there or yeah, complex, uh, let's put it that way. I want to build on the long-term mindset that you brought up, Chris, because I think it's really important, especially in crypto, the crypto coins, because I think that the value that designers can provide is not only like to improve the user experience of current applications, but it may sound a little bit futuristic, but how we can like reshape the way we share money, because that's what Bitcoin is all about. So um, probably related to that, how would you describe the a life cycle of a project when someone has an idea, like if I'm one of these enthusiasts that wants to like start to connect with this community, like how can I start making it happen? In your experience of previous projects, how's that life cycle looking like? Connor, I think uh, the design reviews you've had were, have been pretty good at catalyzing a few things. Um, yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, the design reviews are, every three weeks and they're like an open platform for anyone who is thinking about working on a project or currently working on a project to really present their work and get feedback in real time related to ux flows user interface that type of thing and kind of from there people either tend to join that project because they have really good ideas on how they can collaborate and contribute to it it's a good way for us to like document UX challenges that some of these projects are having. And those are recorded as well and available for people to watch in playback as well. And this has also like led to other types of initiatives, such as something we call the Wallet Improvement Project. So this is going out to different open source projects and 
trying to identify like some of the problems that these projects are having and breaking those down, opening issues with these projects as well, and then finding people who are interested in tackling those as well. And so the breadth of projects range as well. So I helped start an initiative to help educate the average user about Bitcoin called Hello Bitcoin. It's a video series designed to help people understand how Bitcoin works. And one of the videos, How Bitcoin Works, required a lot of illustration, animation to kind of bring to life what Bitcoin is all about. And we have a channel in our Slack, Hello Bitcoin, with a whole host of creators and animators and illustrators who volunteered their time to kind of make a lot of this stuff happen. So it's almost like a, it's a combination of like timing, people's skill sets, what projects are available, people's time, all like coming together in this kind of random way, sometimes slightly more organized way. So sometimes there's no like real streamlined process. Things just sometimes organically happen, but we do try to provide like some type of framework for that stuff to, to kind of blossom a little bit. Georgia, you have a final question? The closing question I was going to ask is, what are things that you're working on right now that you would love to see people jump into or like things that you're thinking about over the next year? What do you want people to know about that you haven't mentioned? I think all things Lightning Network. So Lightning Network is basically the preferred scaling solution for Bitcoin and we hope it will make it accessible to a lot more people. But it comes again with its own set of design challenges. And so the community is going through the process of rewriting parts of the design guide to include Lightning Network and pretty much be Lightning first. Well, we know Lightning is Bitcoin and it's the preferred scaling solution for it. So we definitely encourage people to look into that and see if, if that kind of stuff would interest them. So yeah, Lightning Network, for sure. In addition to everything that I've said before, one thing that I would love to see next year is for all creatives, all designers to not worry about things being perfect make things happen, put them out there, discuss them. Let's create a visual mess. Let's let it all out. Because usually the work is super good and there's no reason to hold back all these good ideas and visuals and experiments. Or an auditory mess, which this was not. This will be better. Well, this has been one of my both simultaneously like least favorite and also best kind of podcasts where it's just like, oh, you're doing it right. Cool. Where can people sign up? I mean, well, you know that. How can people get onboarded? You're working on that. Oh, okay. So it's, it's kind of fun. You know, I, the questions I asked, it was complex. I was trying to figure out like, how can we make this more interesting? But it's just really good. You just have it really down as far as I can tell, which I love. I wish that everyone had the ability to have such an awesome community. And I wish everyone had the ability to have such cool projects. Checking out Hello Bitcoin, hellobitco.in. That's great. Connor, it looks like you. Pretty sure it is you. So it's just really cool. I really like it. That's such an awesome project. And the cool thing about both of these sites, Hello Bitcoin and Bitcoin.design, again, is that they just look beautiful. So from that perspective, well done. I really like it. I know that's UI, not UX, but it's excellent and it's really good work. Unfortunately, we don't have an infinite amount of time. And so I want to make sure that people can know Besides going to Bitcoin.design, maybe where to follow you both on the internet, where they can learn more about how you think about design. Do you have Twitter handles, blogs, et cetera? Well, thank you. Thank you for having us. Uh, thank you for all your good questions. Thank you for all the things you do for open source and open design. My Twitter handle is GBKS, which stands for Germany's Best Kept Secret. 
Yeah, mine's just uh, Twitter as well. Just my full name, Connor Okus, C-O-N-O-R-O-K-U-S. Excellent. Before you go, we have a tradition at this podcast. It's called Spotlight. What we do is we highlight projects, people, things, or birds, anything you want, really, which need more love or which helped you out in your career, in your life, or which you just think, today, I'm really proud and glad this thing exists in the world. Memo Esparza, what is your spotlight? The one I'm choosing for this take is a crypto tool I've stumbled upon this year. I really like it because it uses crypto to reimagine what we were saying, like a different way to distribute money. And I love that kind of solutions and I would love to start seeing them more and more. This one in particular is called the givingblock.com provides like a URL for people to donate to your project. And yeah, I think that I totally agree with Connor on that accessibility is key and I'm not talking about visual accessibility, but how accessible these frameworks can be to more people, because I think that sometimes the people that need it the most are the most less aware of how this stuff can benefit them. So yeah, that's my spotlight for today. Thank you, Memo. George Bullen? Yeah, I just dropped in the link for our project that is, has a lot of parallels actually to what we've been talking about here. So it's called Decent Patterns or Decentralization Off the Shelf. And it's a pattern library intended to make it easier to get to building applications that are usable. So um, sort of trying to help exactly what Christoph and Connor have been talking about, that sort of tension of being in the weeds on privacy and security issues, but wanting to build usable tools that make Bitcoin and other decentralized applications more accessible to more people. So just exactly in those lines. And related to that, I dropped in a link to a session we hosted at MozFest last year on zine making. And the topic of the zines was explain decentralization to me. So there's some cool zines that folks made that are sort of in that same line of the Hello Bitcoin space, but not Bitcoin specific, just decentralization specific. So hopefully those are helpful to folks who found this podcast particularly interesting as well. Thank you, Georgia. My spotlight is Kari's I tried really hard. I don't speak Finnish. Kari is probably fine. Kari is awesome when he worked at Coinbase, a company I don't respect. I just really don't like their ethics. But when he worked there, he hired me for the Userous Drunk, another company I don't respect, which I also founded. But that was really nice to have basically like Bitcoin, cryptocurrency, interested in design. The Userous Drunk was not something that was necessary for the world, but it was really great to have someone from Coinbase be like, would you review our website? So Kari, you're really cool. He is now co-founding Linear.app, and I hope that goes really well. Finnish people are the best. Christoph Ono, what is your spotlight today? So my biggest, I guess the open source tool that I'm most excited about is PenPod. You can probably imagine, I'm sure it's not a surprise. I'm such a huge fan, keep an eye on it. I want to use it every day as soon as possible. So team, please keep going. It's amazing. Love it. They have been spotlighted before. Do not worry. BenPod is awesome. Connor Ocus? I've got a project I think I'd like to kind of chill because it's backed by the Bitcoin design community and um, an open source payment processor called BTC Pay Server. And the project is Bitcoin Smiles. This was an initiative that was put together by the design community and the open source processor BTC Pay Server which allows people to donate to the people of El Zonte in El Salvador, a small village in El Salvador, to basically fund their 
dental care and uh, bring smiles to people in, in that community. And I'd like to see like this kind of thing exist for other parts of the world and other initiatives as well. And it's, yeah, it's again, it's like the merging of two open source projects within the space for a really good initiative. So if people aren't aware of that, that's a, that's a really cool one. Awesome. Thank you both so much. It's been really cool. It's been great to have you on and talk about the Bitcoin design community. I hope this is not the end of collaboration and that we managed to send more people your way and more people back. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I wanted to quickly mention, we did have the Penpot guys on the podcast as well. We had Andy Gonzalez on episode nine. So do check that out. If you like open source and design and sustaining, you can also check out the discourse forum at discourse.sustainoss.org. interested in talking about sustaining open source design but if you're really interested in bitcoin design and community i think you now know where to go to learn the most about that so again connor christoph thank you so much take care